Hey, what's up, y'all? I'm Alan Kennedy, host of the Blatant Homerism Podcast, and we're recording this episode on Wednesday, November 7th, 2018. Uh, I always like to get some of the quants around college football to come on the podcast every so often during the season to get a feel for how they see the action on the field breaking down uh, on their spreadsheets. So our guest today, you know, is one of the quantiest, uh, Ed Fang of the Power Rank. We're going to talk about his projections for the rest of the season as we enter the stretch run. So let's go ahead and welcome him on. Ed, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Cool. Well, anytime, man. Uh, always love to get your perspective on how uh, you see things breaking down using your mathematical modeling. And before we get into what what you're actually seeing, uh, you know, season-wise, I want to ask something uh, that's more kind of like philosophical about uh, what you do. You know, last night, I don't know if you were paying attention during the uh, midterm election results, but at one point, uh, Nate Silver, you know, put out a tweet saying <laughs> essentially like, my model is going nuts. Like I'm turning down the <laughs> dials a little bit on it. It like like that. I think to the layman who doesn't do this kind of thing, um, that seems kind of like cheating, right? I mean, you know, your models are your models, right? Like, um, so I guess I just want to get your take on that, and and you know how you see that apply. You know, when you're modeling different uh, outcomes, you know, using for uh, for sporting events. Yeah, no, a, a lot of thoughts here, Alan. Um, firstly, my thought last night was I don't understand how anyone can follow politics without some kind of analytics. You know, for me, you know, I don't do political forecasting full time, but I'm, I'm a consumer of that kind of thing. But what I really use it for is to, like, gauge my expectations. So, you know, let's say you're a Democrat and you think, oh, well, you know, no one likes Trump and, and this blue wave is going to hit and we're going to take the Senate back. Well, that's just not realistic, um, you know, according to all the prognostications and the stuff that Nate Silver did before the the election. I think it was about, you know, one in, one in five or one in seven or something. It, it was bad. It, it was not like the Democrats were going to take the Senate last night. So... You know, and I only say that uh, mostly to be selfish and plug my own site, like uh, <laughs> in the sense that like if you're following football, like I just feel like you need analytics to gauge your expectations. And we're going to talk a lot about Oklahoma and the chance that they're going to make the playoff. And and I just feel like you need these numbers, right? Like I, I think it's, um, you know, for example, I, I think it's unrealistic to be like, oh, Oklahoma is definitely in the playoff. I also feel like it's super unrealistic to be like, oh, they have no chance. Look at these four teams ahead of them. I think both of those are completely out there. And so anyways, that's why like I do my, what I do at the power rank, you know, for sports, like I can listen to these, uh, these talking heads on ESPN talk about football because I do that full time. And I, you know, I can just, I can spot their garbage. Right. Um, but if you don't do it full time, I, I highly recommend, you know, following what I do at the power rank, uh, signing up for my email newsletter. Um, so anyways, uh, and then second last night you asked me about Nate Silver's model and, you know, he needs to work on his in-game model. And and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, he had some ideas. I presume he had some ideas about what was happening. And yes, it went nuts, right? Like, I think it was below 50% that the Democrats were going to take the House. That may freak some people out. Um, but I think you, you just got to be honest about it. Like, I, I think if you ask Nate today what he thinks about that model, he'd be like, yeah, we need to work on it. It was not right. Yeah. And then you check in on it like an hour or two later, and it's at 80 90%. Mm. And that seemed more consistent with what they were seeing. And, you know, um, you know, I mean, I've, I've been doing this like, I don't know, like 10 years and uh, a bunch of that full time. And I think, 
you know, what I've truly kind of embraced over the last couple of years is that, you know, we're always trying to get better at this, right? Um, I don't think we can ever sit back and say, oh, my football model is perfect. That's, that's just not a statement that any good analytics person should say. Um, and I think you just need to always, you know, try to work on stuff, see where it's wrong. Um, yeah. And just, just try to get better. I, I, I think that's, that's allowed. So, I mean, how often would you say, like, I'm assuming you do most of your tweaking, maybe kind of, you know, testing things out during the off season. Is that right? Yeah, I do some during the off season. I try to do more during the season, but that gets hard just, you know, running the site and and I have a podcast too. Um, but I think, you know, like before I would probably most of it to the off season. I, I just try to keep like a constant amount of work on it. Um, kind of throughout the year. I think that kind of works out the best. Uh, for example, I've been, I've been playing around with uh, success rate, uh, in football this year and some of the work that Bill Connolly over at SB nation has done has shown that that is a pretty sticky statistic in that it's good at, you know, success rate in the early part of the season is, is good at predicting success rate later. So during the season, I've been messing with that, um, for both NFL and college, it's always easier to mess with data in the NFL just because, uh, you know, there's only 32 teams and you don't, you don't have to worry about like filtering out, games you know for S- fcs teams and, and all that kind of thing so i'm slowly working on it for college football as well i really hope it gives you know just a, a new look at offense and defense in college football and uh you know my goal is to have that done by bowl season and you know since we're on the uh, more kind of uh thematic angle here uh, you know do you follow scoring efficiency more or maybe like what we would call like uh moving the ball efficiency if that makes sense i mean are you more interested for example like in a points per play type metric or a yards per play type metric yeah i mean i I like i like yards per play and and the reason is this uh with points you get a lot of noise from turnovers and what we've learned is that there's a lot of randomness in, in turnovers and, you know, um, you know, I think Michigan's a good example. They've gotten a bunch of pick sixes this year and and it makes their, you know, points per game look pretty good. Uh, but what I like to do is I, I think, you know, I, the primary thing that I use for college football is yards per play. And in some sense, it, it cuts through the noise of points, right? Um, the randomness of points in terms of how turnovers affect that and how special teams can affect that. When you're just looking at the offense, um, I want to know yards per play. And I think that gets to the answer quicker for how good a team is than just looking at points, points per game or even points per possession or anything like that. And the reason I've started messing around with success rate is I feel like success rate might get to the answer even quicker than yards per play. Yeah. Um, there is, you know, yards per play is, I mean, none of these statistics are perfect, but you know, the, the classic example with uh, how yards per play can go wrong in a small sample is, you know, you get an 80 yard gain move down to your opponent's 10-yard line, and then take two-yard losses um, over the next three plays and kick a field goal. Um, you know, your yards per play are going to look fantastic, you know, over 10 yards per play. Your success rate is going to be 25%, and I think that's more reflective of that sequence of four plays. Yeah, yeah, and there are certain offenses that, you know, I mean, Oklahoma fans would, you know, would look at, for example, the Army game this year where Army was essentially just running right. for three yards of play. 
and uh, just kept trained <laughs> right. out, out first downs. You know, I mean, it was so frustrating to watch. But you know, I mean, with the success rate like that, you know, they're ex- exactly it's not an explosive offense, but I mean, it's so hard to stop. Yeah, and especially when you don't see that kind of offense. I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. you guys don't often play service academies or Georgia Tech, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think the last time, yeah, the last time I remember seeing a triple option team, a true triple option team like that come in was like probably 2010, I think Oklahoma played Air Force, and it was bad. It was similar, so, you know. But right. uh, let's so let's go into to, uh, to the regular season now, what we've got going on. Um, First things first, I know you have a new round of projections out. Can you kind of hit the high points for us? Um, you mean games or playoff or which? What uh, did you the, want to focus uh, on? Let's let's start for the playoff, I guess. Yeah. So I've been. Um, so actually, I just looked this up. I, I've been high on Oklahoma to make the playoff since the preseason. Um, I had them at thirty-seven point seven percent to make it with my preseason model. And this was interesting to me just because the the market odds were way lower than that. And, uh, you know, to my members, I gave out uh, Oklahoma and Notre Dame as playoff teams with value. Um, it doesn't always work out that well, but but those two those two teams, I mean, th- that's looking pretty good right now. Um, obviously, the, the loss to Texas doesn't help, but, you know, sitting here after week 10, I mean, Oklahoma has a 49.3% chance to to make the playoff um that is uh you know it's not as good as alabama or clemson but it's the third best in the country um if oklahoma takes care of their business as as i think they should and they're you know we can talk about how big a favorite they are in the rest of their games um they should make the playoff and 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 partially is just i mean oklahoma's the best team in the big 12 uh i i when i looked at it last week on a neutral site they would be 10 points better according to my numbers than than any other team with the second place team being west virginia so let me so you have them though you said you said third best odds behind Alabama and so that's ahead of a Notre Dame and ahead of a Michigan? Yeah. Um it's just ahead of Michigan. Um and then yeah, you know, I mean Notre Dame I still have right behind. So Michigan's at 46%, Notre Dame's at 44%. Notre Dame took a little bit of a jump after getting over that road game at Northwestern which I had that and, and the game at USC as, mm-hmm. as the best chance. Um, yeah, you know, like I said, it's all really about how much better my numbers project Oklahoma against the rest of their opponents. Yeah, okay. Um, and, you know, for Michigan, you know, they're obviously getting the benefit from being better than a lot of their competition, um, and Ohio State doesn't really look like the same team, so they're getting that benefit as well. Uh, Notre Dame still has a pretty tough game that last weekend against USC, and that and that could just be a bad situation for them if they can't get it done in that game because there's no ACC championship, conference championship for game the week after. So for them to lose, it would most likely be that last game, mm-hmm. and that could be that could really be a death knell, even though they would only be a one loss team. How do you model the committee's decision making? Yeah, very roughly. Um, <laughs> Um, so, you know, we know this committee behaves, um, yeah, so, so essentially, I mean, the committee behaves like, you know, if a team wins, they essentially keep their spot in line. If you have a really resounding win, you can jump a team or two. And so my code just models that with certain probabilistic chances, uh, mm-hmm. when a team wins or loses a game. If you lose, you drop some, and that drop can be anywhere between two and maybe 10 spots. And again, that's all probabilistic. Uh, when when I do the simulation, so 
you know, I mean, I didn't think it was likely that LSU was only going to fall to seventh, but that was definitely one of the possibilities that my code uh, goes through. And then the final week of the season, um, you know, it incorporates the fact that, you know, like if an Oklahoma were fifth, wins a Big 12 Conference Championship game, they would likely jump an idle Notre Dame uh, to make the playoff. Like that's just behavior that we've seen uh, over the last three or four years that the committee's done. So, again, it's it doesn't the code doesn't do that with certainty, but it doesn't with a high probability. And um, yeah, you know, I mean, it it's it's uh, it 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 makes the best guess. But I mean, the most powerful part about that is is the team ratings that let me project what the probability for each win is. And I think that's really what's driving you know Oklahoma to be at forty, basically a coin flip to to make the playoff at this point. Interesting. Okay. Um, can I ask, and this is, may, might not be something you know offhand, but in the history of the playoff, that goes back to what, 2014? Hmm. What would be like the biggest, maybe surprise or most improbable case of a team making the playoff? Do, do you have any idea, like if you had to uh, maybe just go, you know, kind of off the, you know, off the top of your head? Yeah, I mean, I would probably say Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma State. I would probably say Ohio State jumping over those two Big 12 teams that yeah. first year. Um, you know, that only happens with the margin of victory they put over Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game. So, um, you know, and my model accounts for that mm-hmm. in the sense that, you know, I think there was like, <laughs> I think there was like a one percent chance that you could jump two teams mm-hmm. given that you won a game. So I have no idea if one percent is the right probability for that. But, um, yeah, you know, I mean, that's an, that's an interesting thing, too, from my perspective, because. You know, there's other people that that model this stuff, and they they want to take very seriously like the limited data we have on how the committee's reacted over the past three or four years. And I say to hell with that. Like, <laughs> I think that's a small sample size. Yeah. I'm gonna make my best guess, and then and then we can compare answers at the end. Um, another another weird thing. Um, in in terms of weird things the committee has done, there was there was like one week two years ago that like Oklahoma made a really weird jump up or down. Um, maybe they won like a game and then they jumped a couple spots mm-hmm. uh, in the committee. Yeah, was I, I, I don't know if you remember that the, when they actually made the playoff, or was this? I think so, or maybe it was two years ago. Yeah, that, I, I mean, mean one of the more yeah, 2015 was when they was they made in 2015 and 17. 2015, there was some weird stuff. I mean, there was like they were at the end there and they had one loss. I remember and there was no Big 12 championship game then, and I think. Right. They did something right at the end where I think like maybe Michigan State and Iowa played and Iowa dropped a bunch right. after losing. Does that sound right? Yeah, I think I think one of the years Oklahoma made it. It was uh, it was earlier in the season. It wasn't the last week, oh, okay. but they made kind of like this weird three spot jump, even though they you know won by a touchdown in in the game the past week. Um, I mean that just now stuck I'm out to me. Go it's like, now I'm gonna have to go back and look that up. That's interesting. Okay. Uh, cool, cool. Well, how about, um, you know, I guess maybe just in terms then of, of on the field, you know, Oklahoma's got a game this coming up with, uh, Oklahoma state this weekend. And they've got, of course, a kind of a laugher with Kansas and then, uh, West Virginia. So, you know, can you, can you tell us how you see those kind of playing out? I forget the Kansas game, but the other two. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, I guess we should talk a little bit about just the team in general. I mean, this offense is amazing. Um, they're not only first on offense, in terms of my adjusted yards per play, they're first both in passing and in rushing. Um, and, you know, I think that's unexpected given that the team lost Baker Mayfield from from last year. 
on the other side of the ball, I think uh, kind of at least the the numbers based wisdom was that the the defense was was going to get better uh, with a lot of guys coming back. Uh, but the defense still is hasn't been great. They're at 57th right now in my adjusted yards per play. Um, I think just a tad better than where that where they were at last year. Yeah. So Oklahoma State. Uh, this is a game that Oklahoma has at home. I have about an 89% win probability in that game. And one thing that I find super interesting about this game is probably the total. I see 82 points in this game, and. Uh, so my model predicts totals. I, sorry, I have a different model that predicts totals. Um, but it says 82 points. Uh, I'm pretty sure. I mean, did these two teams get to 100 last year? They got I mean, they yeah, just, it was 62 feet. They got to 114. Yeah. So and yeah. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure I had the over in that game last year too. Um, so yeah, just a lot of points. Um, I'm I'm not as familiar with Oklahoma State, but uh, but it looks like another situation where their offense is 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 better than their defense. And, um, you know, I think Oklahoma is going to go uh, going to have their way with with Oklahoma State defense and being at home. I think it should be a pretty comfortable win. Interesting. OK, yeah. You know, the the when teams like Oklahoma and Oklahoma State play, you kind of see these positive feedback loops, you know, kind of form where one team's soaring so fast and the other team's scoring so fast that they're just getting the offenses back on the field so quickly, you know, and uh, it right. just feeds on itself like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then uh, West Virginia, though, that's, you know, kind of seen really right now, I think, is kind of the marquee matchup left to go uh, this year. I, I got to imagine that's going to be a little bit tighter based on your numbers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm looking at it now, and I still have Oklahoma as about 10 points better than, than West Virginia. Uh, I mean, West Virginia is clearly having a great season. Um, I wrote about them. They were 17th in the preseason AP poll, and my numbers had them outside the top 25, and I wrote about them as – um, one of my uh, overrated teams, and I'm in serious danger of being wrong on that. Um, <laughs> I've I've had a really really good record of picking overrated teams. Um, this is my f- fourth year doing it. It's all public over at SB Nation. I'm really in danger of being wrong, especially because they you know they they win that close game against Texas last week. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean Oklahoma is just a lot better team. Uh, so if you're 10 points better on a neutral site, you're going to be about um, seven. Uh, I have it at 6.6 points better on the road at West Virginia. It's still about a 70% win probability. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't have a total for that game yet. But, again, one of these situations where, I mean, West Virginia's offense has been fantastic with Will Greer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oklahoma's offense is is better, and uh, they, they should win that game as well. Yeah, so so far this year, West Virginia does have, they have a one-point win against Texas. And then they have an eight-point win versus Texas Tech. So essentially, you know, you're talking about, you know, two games there where they've won uh, by one score. So I guess what I, one thing I wonder about is, you know, it, how often when teams are winning that way, you know, do you see that kind of mm-hmm. maybe turn back on itself? You know, I mean, Texas for this year would be a good example. I think they have. Let's see here. They they had a one. Two, three, four. They they had won four one score games uh, early in this year, and then all of a sudden, you know, two weeks in a row, they lose uh, one score games. I mean, is that is? Yeah. I guess is. Do you see? Do you see what I'm getting at there? Or is that like you know, kind of like yeah. uh, for example, on roulette, when you see like you know the black keep popping up, and you think, oh well, it's got to be red next, but it's black again. <laughs> Yeah, so there's a couple different things there. Uh, there's a lot of randomness in whether you win one-score games. 
Uh, I mean, I've done some studies season to season that show like record and one score games uh, doesn't has no ability to predict record of one score games the next year. Mm. And I'm pretty sure that would be the case um, early season, the late season. And, you know, I mean, you guys all watch football, right? Like, I mean, you can understand that like one play can make or break a one score game. And uh, there's a lot of randomness when you break it down into one play. And just from, you know, an analytics perspective, you know, the one thing that we that we know is that, you know, you're you're a better team if you blow out other teams, right? If if you don't if you don't leave it to the possibility of being a one score game. And that's why, like, you know, even just raw margin of victory is a very good predictor of success uh, in bowl games. So you can just look at raw margin mm-hmm. of victory. Uh, I have two teams in a bowl game and you will do better than things like the Collie Matrix, which doesn't use margin and victory. But, I mean, it's, it's a beautiful mathematical algorithm, but it can't predict anything because it's not using it's not incorporating margin of victory into their calculations. And if you remember the old BCS days, they weren't allowed to use margin of victory. So yeah. teams wouldn't run up the score. And and from a mathematical perspective, that's just complete garbage. So you really need margin of victory. And, um, and, and, and this is the core, the close game thing that you asked me about is that, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of randomness in close games. And, um, and so that matters when you are, when, when I'm doing the numbers and trying to rank teams and, and make predictions. And then the other thing that you mentioned about, like, you know, if you see, if you see a bunch of reds on yeah. roulette, is it more likely to be black? I mean, you obviously know that that's not true. Yeah, exactly. But, um, you know, human beings have a really difficult time with randomness. And it comes from our nature that we want to find patterns in everything we do. And that kind of starts when we're like six years old and learning numbers and looking for patterns in numbers. Um, and it goes all the way up through our schooling. But it it's really bad when you are looking at things that randomness plays a big role in. And that's really bad as a sports fan. So um, uh, I'm actually working on a podcast episode uh, on this right now, and I got a chance to talk to a Nebraska fan when they were 0 and 6, and they had the the distinction, uh, except for the Michigan blowout, they had better yards per play than their opponent in every single game in the, in the other five games, and they managed to lose all five games, which is not likely. Um, if you are more efficient in terms of yards per play, you often win the game. I don't really have a number off the top of my head, but um, so. I was telling them that, and it's exactly this thing where like the the roulette keeps landing on black, mm-hmm. except in this case he thinks it's still going to land on black, <laughs> <laughs> because that's just how we are sometimes when we're when we're talking about our sports teams, and um, yeah, so it, I actually got some great audio on him, and uh, you know, I mean, I I think Nebraska is is kind of a sneaky good team. Their offense is really good, especially given that they have a, a true freshman playing quarterback. So, and, and, you know, we've seen them win a game. Uh, well, they've won two games, and then they gave Ohio State all they could handle. Well, you know what, too, is a couple weeks back on your show you talked about, I think it was Nebraska-Wisconsin, and how you thought that uh, Nebraska's defense was really underrated, I think, and Wisconsin came into the game overrated. And so I uh, I hammered, I got to be honest, I hammered the points on that. <laughs> so nice. I was, yeah, I was very appreciative. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, so in fact, I even, I think I was writing something up for, uh, uh, an SB nation site about that. And I was like, you know, Ed Fang talked about this and I like Ed, so I'm going to listen to what he's got <laughs> to say here, you know? And so it ended up turning out well, man. So appreciate that. 
Awesome. Uh, yeah, so um, I'm trying to think here I, uh, if I had any. Oh, is there one team you see out there, you know, somewhere across the country that you think right now, from a record standpoint, is kind of uh, smoke and mirrors based on what your numbers are telling you? Yeah, I mean, a couple. I mean, you can definitely look at, like, a Washington State. Uh, do they have one or two loss losses? Just one. Just one. Yeah, so they just got one loss. Um, you know, I think Mike Leach has done a great job with that team. But, you know, they're not even uh, the favorite in my numbers to win their division. And that's mainly because they, uh, I mean, what they have to play Washington in the Apple Cup at the end of the season. And they're going to be a big dog in that game. I mm. think they're going to be, I think last time I checked, they're going to be like a seven-point underdog. Uh, sorry, by my numbers, they would be a seven-point underdog at home against Washington. And that that's really screwy, right? Because, you know, Washington is, is has three losses, just cracked the top 25 in the, the committee poll this week. Um, you know, and I don't think they're quite as good as they were in the past season. We'll see what that number ends up. Um, but, that I mean, that's a game that I'm looking at down the road. As you know, if that come if that game comes out close to a pick, mm-hmm. um, I think there's a lot of value in in Washington. So yeah, I would definitely isolate like a, a Washington State. Ah, okay, okay, cool, cool. Well, Ed, um, tell everybody where they can sign up for all your information and everything like that. What kind of uh, you know uh, subscription plans you have available? That type of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all my best stuff is at thepowerrank.com. Uh, that's my site, and uh, I recommend getting on the the newsletter, the email newsletter. There's sign up boxes at thepowerrank.com, and what I try to do in the newsletter is uh, give people a, a sample of the predictions that I usually say for for paying members of the site. Put a little analysis in there. Um, I've I've been doing a college football upset alert, and uh, I'm uh, just just basically trying to look at a, a top 15, top 20 team that's going to lose to a lower ranked team. Uh, I am four and zero. Over the last four weeks, I guarantee you that that rate will not continue in the future. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I try to do a little analysis. There's there's some uh, NFL stuff in there as well. And then uh, members of the Power Rank get access to all of my best predictions and uh, bowl advice and March Madness bracket advice. And, yeah, and I'm on Twitter, at the Power Rank. And, and yeah, I just... You know, I just I, I think more about just my own experience with the elections last night. And I just, you know, if if you follow football, I just think following the analytics will just give you a good baseline for what to expect. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's really value, valuable in managing emotions of, of this crazy sport. Yeah, you know, and then again, I guess there's some people who don't want their uh, emotions managed, you know. <laughs> but anyway, I guess we'll see, man. Uh, but Ed, you know, thanks so much again. Like I said, your your work really is so good, and and it's very um, direct, if that makes sense. Like it breaks stuff down to make it so much easier to understand, uh, you know, without being getting you know too far into the weeds. So I I, I really appreciate it as a resource, and I, I you know always appreciate it when you take time out to come on and uh, talk uh, college football with me. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. And and Alan, you actually mentioned listening to one of my podcasts about Nebraska and Wisconsin. Uh, I forgot to mention that at the, fo- yeah. the football analytics show. Um, and you know, I I've been I, the predictions on that have been pretty good. I I, I I I do a mixture of interviews with people and then um, some of my own prediction episodes. And uh, I think that's some pretty yeah. The, the predictions have been pretty good this year. Hope hope to keep that up. Yeah, and that's another great one because again, it's it's kind of like short, you know, bite-sized type stuff a lot of the time, which uh, 
for me at least it's always really interesting so again i'd really appreciate it man yeah absolutely um thanks for having me and uh anytime and thanks to y'all for joining us too for the blatant homers podcast i'm alan kenny take it easy